totally. You should always, no matter what, try to do something to keep you fit, something that makes you money and something that you're passionate about. What's up, tribe? Coach Darren K. Roberts. Hey, thank you for joining us once again. Got a great episode for you. Taylor Strickland. Now, I met Taylor when she was an undergraduate here at the University of Texas. She served as student body vice president. Now she lives in Denver and has just been selected as a National Football League cheerleader. Now, because of NFL rules, I can't really state the name. But if you're good at geography and have some common sense, you can probably figure it out. There's one gem that she's going to drop in this episode. She talks about her 369 rule. And this is the way that she determines how much time she's going to spend after a big failure, kind of in remorse and recovery. So tune in. Let's listen to this conversation with Taylor. All right. So we'll start up. So Taylor, welcome to the tribe. Hello. So happy to be a part of the tribe. Yeah. So glad to have you. You're the busiest woman out there. Um, Thanks for joining us. I know that your time is extremely valuable. So I'm going to shoot straight to it. Let's say I walked into your high school. You're in the 11th grade. Let's put you in um, calculus. Does that sound right? 11th grade. You're in calculus doing your things, running differential equations and all the things. Um, If I pulled you out into the hallway and asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up? What would the answer have been back in the 11th grade? Oh, wow. Um, Well, completely out of left field. I would have told you I wanted to be a chief financial officer by the time I was 40. Who the hell wants to be a CFO in 11th grade? Who is this person? I was, and hopefully I think I've always been a practical person. So I think that's something that I saw as like, that was going to be a career that I could thrive in, that would be stable and successful. And I'm sure it is for some people, but... The closer I got to that, even like next six months later, I got to that, I realized it just wasn't necessarily for me. And that's okay. But I, to this day, I still have it. There is a piece of paper in my apartment that is Taylor's 10-year plan um, that I wrote when I was 16. So I'm actually reaching the end of it now. And um, it is on that plan. And I did not follow that plan to a T. But at the same time, I think it was important to set goals and to know kind of that I wanted to achieve something when I was that young. Okay, so you you still have this document. Yeah. Tell us some of the things that are on that piece of paper. Oh my gosh, so some of the things that are on there, I wanted to be a dance teacher. I wanted to still be dancing, um, which is something that is a part of my life still. Um, I knew I wanted to be a CFO, and that was listed on there as a long-term goal. But um, I had also listed, like, since then, that I wanted to be promoted at least twice by the time I was 25. Um and there were a few things. I obviously wanted to graduate college. I did not. I actually almost embarrassed to say University of Texas was not on that piece of paper, but so grateful that it made a surprise appearance. Um, but yeah, there were a few things and some of them I held and stuck to and some of them I didn't. And I no regrets. So I think I tried them all. And that's kind of the beauty of it is that I still went for all my goals. But sometimes when you get there, you realize it's not necessarily what you want. And that's totally fair. Mm, I love it. I love it. So you do land at the University of Texas. What was that first day on campus like for you? 
The first day of campus was walking around in a circle and somehow being on Speedway four or five times before realizing that I had been on Speedway four or five times. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So it was slightly traumatizing. It was also, you know, the first time I'd actually ever been to the University of Texas was for my freshman orientation, um, which also does not sound like the planning tailor, but it was, I got my acceptance and for some reason I was like, this is the place. And my parents were like, seriously, we toured every other school you applied for. This is the one we didn't tour. And I was like, nope, this is it. Um, So I went in relatively blind, but at the same time, I think it was also realizing and something I hope a lot of UT students realize is it's a really big school that is made very small by organizations. Mm. So um, there's like party on the plaza and like AACC pool party where like you're just introduced to so many organizations in the first week and also somewhat overwhelming, but that was like what kind of really grounded me and helped me find my path at UT. So talk about what do you think were some of the transformational experiences at UT for you? I mean, you did a lot while you were here on campus. Are there are there some that stand out more than others? Oh, yeah. So um, one of my mantras, I guess you could say, is that failure can be enjoyed. Mm. I am such a type A person and I don't like failing. I don't think anyone likes failing. And like I said, also totally fair, but sometimes that's the redirect that you need to get you on the path you're supposed to be. So probably um, two things were very defining my freshman year is I tried out for UT Palms and I didn't make it. I was a Palm in high school. So I was like, this is a natural next step. I was my high school captain. I'm so excited. And I didn't make it. And it devastated me. And I was like, what am I going to do if I don't have a dance team? And I know it seems so small, but okay, so it, like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you in this. Oh, no. Yeah, you know, I tend ahead. to interrupt people. Can you take <laughs> us like, can you help us zoom in on the point? Like, how did you find out you didn't make it? What were your initial reactions? Like, I really want to kind of go back to the point to where, you know, you've been doing this for a long time and then you find out you don't make it. Yeah. So um, initial reactions. So they do at most dance team tryouts. It's not necessarily your name that gets called. It's your number. So you do um, dance routines. They teach them to you. Then you perform them in smaller groups. Uh, Sometimes you really get a grasp on it. Sometimes you're like, I'm just going to leave it all out on the field and hopefully it ends well. But um, at the same time, I thought I did. Okay, I was proud of my performance. And then it got through the sequence and they didn't say my number. It went immediately jumped from the number below me to the number above me. And it was just one of those moments where you're like, Maybe I maybe I can't hear. Like maybe I missed something. <laughs> and then you like think a little bit more, and you're like, I didn't make it. And then you know it's hard because it's something you worked for. And like you said, I had been dancing my whole life, so it's not by no means as anyone a shoe in for anything in life. So I think that was another one of those defining moments for me. Like no one has it set, but at the same time. Um, it was something I really wanted and something that I was anticipating being about my club being in my college experience. And so when it didn't happen, you know, you go home, you like, I personally am so hard on myself. So I replayed every single moment and was like, how, what did I do wrong? How could I have done better? But I think also, it, I also have a three, six and nine rule. Hmm. It's also a little bit crazy, but my three, six and nine rule is I either allow myself to have 
three hours, six hours, or nine hours to be upset about something. Um, and it depends on the length of time, depends on the weight of the situation. Because hmm. um, some things, are, it's, it's okay to be upset too. But um, I, this was a nine-hour situation. So I went back to my dorm because I was still a freshman. And I was like, nine hours sulk be upset eat mac and cheese because that's my favorite comfort food <laughs> um, be upset but once the nine hours are done like you need to take next steps you have to move forward and it was hard to accept that and I think you especially like if you're a planner like me you're just like I just I messed up my own plan but at the same time um everything does truly happen for a reason, um, no matter what you think that reason is. And seeing that as an opportunity to get involved in something else was a huge catalyst for me. So um, not having Palm in my life, like I said, was hard, but at the same time, it's what inspired me to get involved with student government. Because I was like, oh, time to get involved in another extremely involved organization. And that was student government for me. And years later, that was also a wonderful opportunity, so. Okay, so I want to go back to this. You said you have a 369 approach when you encounter a failure. Um, mm-hmm. You give yourself either three hours, six hours, or nine hours to just completely self-indulge, mac and cheese, Netflix, pajamas, <laughs> whatever it may be. But based on kind of the severity of the blow, it's either, you know, it can be as little as three hours, but as the most it's nine hours and then you try to move on. Yes. And you know, I'm a hundred percent human. I'm not going to lie to you. If it's a huge, huge blow, like I'm probably still going to be thinking about it when the weekend comes around. But at the same time, at the end of my um, grieving period, that makes it sound really dramatic. But at the end of the time that I allotted, um, I have to be okay with moving on. And that's not saying I moved on already, but I have to accept like the outcome of the situation. And if there's a next step to be taken, then I need to start making moves towards that. And I started implementing this because I am really hard on myself. And I think everyone is really hard on themselves. And I think we all just want the best and want to reach our full potential. But at the same time, I think if we dwell on things, that's that's not fair to ourselves and it's not fair to anyone around us because we we did work hard and it's we have to be proud of what we did even if it didn't have the outcome that we wanted. Mm, mm. So that also opened up some opportunities in terms of time for you to get involved in other activities on campus. Yes, it did. So um, that was another big thing and like something really another awesome failure that happened very close in time. But um, I went for a position in the Black Student Alliance. I was very involved with them my freshman year. And it was it was a rough month for me, I think, freshman year. I didn't make palms. And then I ran for a position for um, BSA or Black Student Alliance. And I lost that election, too. And I was like, well, dang, Taylor, where do we go from here? <laughs> and, um, because I didn't get those positions, which would have been great positions. But, um, yeah, it opened up the door to say, like, okay, maybe a leadership role in this organization wasn't my, wasn't what was meant to be, but like what other organizations are out there? And that's where, that is where student government like entered into my life. That's where AECC and um, event planning entered into my life. And those are two threads that really shaped 
who I am as a professional now and how I identify myself. And that's really exciting because I think for so long, for example, with like the Palm team, I identified myself as a dancer. I was Taylor, I was a dancer. And when I didn't have that anymore, I had to kind of look at myself and where I was and say like, well, that's fine. Like it can still be a part of you, but like, how else are you going to define yourself today? And so got to move forward. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Talk about student government. Student government. Oh my gosh. So I loved student government and I, it was something I just didn't even know was available to me. And I think a lot of kids enter into any type of university is something we talked about at the Pick 12 forums that like a lot of people don't think that you can make decisions for your school. Uh, and that was one thing I saw after having that. I was like, well, there are changes that I want to see made. Not that UT is not quite literally my favorite place on this earth, but there are ways that it can improve and there are things that I can do to make people love UT as much as I did. And it started, my first position was a university-wide representative, and I very much so um, lobbied on the fact that, you know, I, not everyone is representative at the University of Texas student government at the time. I think we've, each year it gets better and better and even more impressive who um, is chosen to represent our student body. But um, at the time I was like, hey, let's give a voice to the people who aren't as, you know, as comfortable speaking up or just like saying what they feel should be heard. Cause as I'm sure you can tell, I literally have no problem talking in any situation. <laughs> so, um, I tried to lend that voice to people who aren't always super comfortable talking because that's just something I'm okay with. Um, so student government, it started with university wide representative. And, uh, from there I got in touch with other leaders and you know just more ideas come into play the administrators are awesome and they have initiatives as well um and i got in touch with one of my best friends now and will probably forever be one of my best friends um cory rady and he literally approached me after our e student government meeting and said hey want to run with me and i was like wait what what are we talking about (laughs) he said i want to be student body president i think you'd be a great running mate like You always speak up in meetings and you have ideas and I have ideas, so let's put them together. And um, from there, yeah, we ran on a platform of representing other people, which I am really proud of what we did. And I think we did achieve that. Um, And kind of we won and that was really exciting. And that was um, it was just a year of, you know, being there for other people and also just trying to see how what we always see what starts here changes the world at ut as most listeners know um but you know what starts in classrooms changes the building what starts in dorm rooms can change the city of austin like it's not it's so much more and i think that phrase seems like it has so much weight like how can i change the world but you change the world by honestly picking up a piece of litter like it doesn't have to be this grand scheme or noble prize winning it can be something that makes a freshman smile on a day where they failed an exam so mm. that's kind of what student mm. government was. so you graduate what was the next step for you after graduating from college Oh, next step. Um, so, spoiler alert, I moved to Vail, Colorado, um, which seems very far away. Uh, but I loved UT so much, which I've said so many times, but it was my whole life by the time I graduated. Um, it meant so much to me, and it was 
just everything. And one thing I always try to do is kind of push myself to grow and change my environment because I never want to feel like I'm not moving forward. I don't want to feel stagnant. So um, I made the conscious decision. I said, you know, I don't know what my next step is going to be, but I don't want it to be in Texas. I love Texas. And I'm actually originally from Colorado. I'm a Colorado native and was an out-of-state student. But um, at the same time, I had just gotten so comfortable, which is not a bad thing also, but, um, yeah, I, I wanted to grow. I wanted to try a new environment. Uh, so I came back home to Colorado and I asked my parents who would say graciously agree to say, can I have a summer break, a true last summer break? And then I will be a full blown contributing adult to society. And they said, yeah, that's fair. Um, and actually I went to a golf tournament with my dad, my first weekend back and met my, who was going to be my first boss out of college on the golf course. Um, and she offered me a job before we actually finished the game. So, um, that was, yeah, that was my next step. It was in the career. I had changed my major. I very quickly realized finance was not going to be my path, which like I said earlier, totally okay. But I changed my major to, um, corporate communications and PR. And, um, the woman that I was playing golf with happened to own a PR firm in Vail. Mm. So uh, that is serendipitous and was perfect in an amazing opportunity. And that's where I landed after I left UT. But this dance passion of yours. So, you know, you're in corporate comm by day, but you've got this, you know, we won't call it a side hustle because it's uh, you're not keeping it quiet. But it's kind of a, a passion of yours that even though, you know, you were rejected at UT, we can use that word. You, you kind of uh, you want to make the palm squad didn't make it. But for some reason, you found a way to hold on to that, that love for dance, even after that experience. Talk about this journey to becoming, um, well, I won't spoil it for people, but talk about the journey. <laughs> the journey, yes. So um, I think that was one of the big things I arrived to during my three, six, nine, nine hours. I guess that was a nine hour um, <laughs> recovery was that does this impact your love for dance? Does this change how you feel about this? And why are you doing this? Were you doing it to wear that uniform or were you doing it because you it's something you enjoy? And um, what came of that kind of talk with myself was that I did love dance and I do love dancing. It's kind of that consistent thread. I've always tried to do something, um, to be blunt, but something that keeps you fit something that makes you money and something you're passionate about. Ooh, hold on. Say that again. Hold on. There's some people, some people in the tribe were, uh, (laughs) you know, um, you know, chopping up onions for dinner or they're on the bus and it was loud. I just want you to say that one more time so people can really let that sink in. Totally. You should always, no matter what, try to do something to keep you fit, something that makes you money and something that you're passionate about Mm. that you love. Um, I cheated because dancing is something I'm passionate about and it also happens to keep me fit. So (laughs) it's a nice two for one. Um, But that's one thing I I always stayed apart, whether it was just taking classes or now I teach, which I love, which is a passion of mine too, because I love bringing dance into kids' lives because it was so influential for me when I was younger. Um, But I always try to keep that thread because it was about dancing. It wasn't about a team or a uniform or some type of status. It was about just getting out there and doing something I loved. So um, I kept that thread. I did. I went to, um, when I was at UT, I took classes and I was a part of an organization that just did choreography for fun. 
And then when I moved up to Vail, um, I helped a friend start a dance studio and was teaching up there. So it wasn't, it was never really the focus of my life, but it's always kind of been in the background. And then when I moved back to Denver this past year, um, or actually a little over a year now, um, started a new position and started kind of readjusting to being back in Denver again because this is where I grew up um I had always wanted to be an NFL cheerleader I was taught by a lot of NFL cheerleaders growing up in my um, home dance studio so it was um, there were lots of women I looked up to it's an organization I believed in there's a huge community service aspect which I am so supportive of so when I moved back here in 2018 um I tried out for our team here in Denver and talking about another failure to be enjoyed, I didn't make it. <laughs> so um, that's like, it was tough. But once again, that same talk came back. It was it about the team or was it about doing something you loved? And once again, it was about doing something I loved. So um, got back in the studio. I took some classes. I taught some classes, just kept it up, um, tried out for another local um, professional sports team or professional lacrosse team here in Denver and was lucky enough to make that team. And then a year came back around and I said, you know, where like you do once again before you do anything make sure you're doing it for the right reasons and I said you know I think I really support this organization so you know I decided to try again and took with me some feedback that I had gained from the last round um and, and what was I, that, uh, just to, oh, just kind of zero in on this what was that feedback that you took into the second round of prep yeah so um a lot of that feedback is that in um we you know all teams probably look like this is that they want experienced women on the team so women who have all you know know what they're doing because they can trust to put out there and represent the organization but also um well-rounded women like we're we're far past the days of people just being able to be one thing you have to be dynamic you have to be professional you have to be classy and then in my context, you have to be a good dancer. And I feel like that's about, I mean, that's like that in all realms of our life today. I mean, it's really nice to be excellent at something and everyone's excellent at something. I truly believe that to the bottom of my heart. You have to be good at a few things. And um, so I kind of took that with me and also just kind of being the best kid I could be. Um, I liked my, when I was prepping, I didn't want to give them an excuse to say no. I made sure my technique was up to date, um, made sure my resume looked good, made sure I was fit, you know, did well, like did some interview prep for myself to make sure I was comfortable, like with any questions they could throw at me. And just not, I had gone through the process, so I wasn't flying blind anymore. So I kind of used that to say like, now you don't have an excuse. Last year, there, you didn't think kind of caught you off guard this year that excuse doesn't exist anymore. Mm. So I really use that to kind of like fuel and guide my preparation. Um, and I was actually lucky enough to be selected this year. And there's an amazing group of women. It was an incredibly, incredibly, at least for me, it was a stressful process, but also at the same time, so uplifting because everyone's just so supportive and it was a dream of mine. And actually one of the things that was on my 10 year plan, um, was to be an NFL cheerleader, and just in the nick of time, I achieved that. So wow, wow! Really. I got to tell you that um, you know, just hearing you talk about that three six nine approach, and also, you know, if you think about, you made it on round two with the Broncos, 
if you trace that back to UT, that's your that's your third attempt to make um, a cheerleading squad. As someone who, you know, I just took the bar exam in February, found out a few weeks ago, I missed the cutoff by like 46 points, um, which isn't really that much. It's, it's a few mm-hmm. multiple choice yeah. questions and, you know, some essays here and there. And it was my first time taking it. And I think a lot of people, well, I know a lot of folks sort of reached back out to me and said, first of all, I can't believe you told people that you would take the test. You know, I would have just taken it in secret. And then if I'd passed, I'd tell everyone. And if I failed, I wouldn't tell anybody. And I thought Mm -hmm. that's one approach, but you know, it took me a while. And even though I kind of preach this stuff, it's always a little more difficult when it's you. Um, Mm -hmm. it took me a while to get to the point to where I said, okay, I just have some really good intel on the test. I've done it once. Um, like you, I know now where I have to sort of tweak my preparation for round two. And as I do that, I just want to let you know that kind of hearing sort of your journey to get to the spot of being a Broncos cheerleader is inspiring and instructional for me just to hear that to say, okay, Darren, you know, you're on the right path, regroup, you know, reflect, chart the next strategy and, um, and put all of your effort into round two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like, and I will full transparency too. It's like something hindsight's always really easy to talk about this stuff. I'll be completely honest. I, you, there's a finals round before you officially make the team. I did not put it out there that I made it to finals. I was just kind of like in my own little zone, practicing my dances. Certainly it was no secret. It's something that um, gets put up on the team website and stuff like that. But um, it was not something I personally shared to a lot of people outside of my inner circle or people who would know like, hey, I haven't seen Taylor in a couple of days. Where'd you go? <laughs> um, <laughs> but at the same time, um, I think, like you said, failures can be enjoyed and they're I grew from each time I failed and, you know, sometimes it wasn't pretty. Sometimes it was devastating, but, um, like, like you said, it's a part of your journey and it's okay to not get everything you want or get everything on the first try. I think it's all the more impressive to not get something and then come back again, because I mean, that I think is just really indicative of the fact like you want it one. You want to be back again and risk failing again if you didn't want it and that you're willing to learn and you're willing to grow. Wow. Wow. So talk about now next steps. I mean, you're going to you're already in the middle of it. So like how far along with sort of the onboarding um, process are you? Are you are you fully fledged and in and, and rocking and rolling right now? Yeah, we're rocking and rolling. Um, it's it's fun. It's um, one of the requirements of my team and um, every team's different, but we all have full-time jobs and or are full-time students in addition to being on this team. So um, we are doing stuff when we're not at our um, full-time jobs, if you will. Uh, We have like our uniforms and um, we're getting ready next month. We'll start, you know, learning some dances, which is really exciting. So it's it's happening and it's kind of still crazy and I still can't really believe it to be quite honest um and when people congratulate me I'm like just as excited about them congratulating me as um I was the day I made it but um yeah we're in a rock and roll and I think is going to be a true test but I'm excited about but a true test to say like make time for what you love mm. there's gonna be some times where you wish you could get a nap in or 
you know, have time to do, like, go to the movies or something. But, you know, I have the same amount of time in a day as Beyonce does. So if she can do what she can, then I can certainly be on a team and have a full-time job and a social life as well. Speaking of, just a little nugget for folks out there in the tribe. You you mentioned Beyonce. Um, I had the chance to watch her, the documentary on her 2018 Coachella yeah. uh, performance. Let me tell you, for folks out there, I don't care if you... Are Beyonce fan or not? Uh, I don't care if you like music. You're, if you're a hermit crab, doesn't matter. Um, this documentary, what's the name of it? Let me see. Just type in Beyonce on Netflix. Um, it is, it is a work of art. Like it goes in depth into the way this woman crafted a vision for the show, which you know people are saying will forever be the best show ever performed at Coachella. Um, talks about her diet and preparation and how she just choreographed this incredible story. Um, for those of you out here out there who are looking for inspiration, even outside of whatever your profession may be, I mean, I sat there and watched this thing from beginning to end, which is saying something for me because I I can't usually stay focused for too long. Check it out because I think a lot of what Taylor's talking about, too, is sort of when you're finding this sweet spot between, you know, what keeps you fit and what makes you money and what makes you happy. Like all these things kind of come together. And I think that that documentary really sort of speaks to that, um, that seat, that sweet spot that a lot of people are looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't been lucky enough to watch it yet. I'm definitely going to, though, because I am a big fan. But at the same time, I think it's what I've been hearing of it so far is it shows you, like, how much are you willing to work mm. for something? And, like, I think it's really easy to throw out excuses or to say, like, especially in that context, like, oh, she has a whole team behind her. But, you know, she works for it. And you know, no matter what you want to accomplish or what's in your life, like, how much are you willing to work for your dream or your vision or to reach, you know, the next step. I think that's really inspiring that even someone who's amassed that much impact and influence is still working her tail off to be that person. Yes. Yes. Well, Taylor, I've got a couple of quick questions for you in the two minute drill. Then we're going to let you get back to conquering the world. Um, What is the title of the book that you have not written? Oh, goodness. Um, Let's keep with theme, enjoying failure. Mm, I love it. I love it. I love it. Let's say you woke up. Let's say you wake up tomorrow morning, you check your Instagram and you have a new follower. What is who's a person out there that would just make your day life if he or she followed you out of the blue? Oh, easy. Michelle Obama. Man. Easy. Easy. I mean, you don't even hesitate. <laughs> no, I, you know, yeah, I secretly wish that, you know, one day she'll see my like or comment and just be like, I'm going to follow that girl. <laughs> I like that, Tay. I think I want to be friends with Tay. I think I'm going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, last question for you. The next 40 years of your life. Now, I know this is a long time away, but if you could peer around the corner, what's the crazy dream you have? Just crazy dream that uh, might seem outlandish, but something out there that you would want to accomplish. Oh, goodness. You said 40 years? 40. I'm giving you a long time. By 40 years. 40 years? Yep. Mm-hmm. I, peeking around the corner, 
I want to be retired. I want to have accomplished my goals. I want to have, you know, set forth a legacy and I want to be able to be in a place where I can move on and just enjoy it. I love it. I love it. Taylor Strickland, thank you so much. You are um you are a fireball of inspiration and motivation, knowledge, all the good things. I just feel like virtual sprinkles were coming down on me as we had our conversation. And uh, I know for people out there in the tribe who are dealing with setbacks and how to transition, just hearing your story of perseverance is um, inspiring in so many ways. So thank you for joining the tribe. Thank you so much. I'm so happy you reached out and we really enjoyed this talk. Thank you so much. And, uh, Take care, keep crushing it, and we'll be looking for you on the sidelines this NFL season. Sounds great. Thanks, Darren. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Tribe, thank you so much for carving out time to listen to another conversation here on A Tribe Called Yes. I really appreciate it. Know you're busy, folks. You got things going down on your Google Calendar morning, noon, and night. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Here's my one ask of you. Wherever you consume this podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Buzzsprout, all the platforms, if you could just take two minutes to give us a review, whether it's a one-star review that says, hey, this sucks and I think you can improve by doing these things, or whether you say, hey, five stars, I love this podcast, I listen to it every week, Whatever feedback you have for us, it would really, really, really help us if you took just a couple of minutes to give us a review wherever you are listening to a tribe called Yes. So go out there, slay some dragons, no struggle, no progress, and we'll see you next week.